Well, thank you for being with us this morning. I'm excited to start a new series uh, that I've developed and called Life is Not a Sitcom. Uh, sometimes I wish it were. It'd be a lot easier, a lot more fun. Uh, if, if, if we knew that the problems we face were only going to last an episode, we can pretty much handle anything. Sometimes I wish life were a sitcom. Uh, I was actually studying the science behind sitcoms. Did you know there's a science to it all? The science behind a sitcom. There's a strategic plan and a process in the development of every episode of a sitcom. Here's how it goes. Every episode has a main plot, story A, and every episode has one to two subplots, stories B and C. There are three main acts in every episode divided by two commercial breaks, and every act has three to five scenes per act. That's the development of it. That's the science of it. And each episode begins with a protagonist. Do you know what a protagonist is? No. <laughs> okay. It's the hero. Every episode begins with a protagonist that states a goal or a problem that must be solved and which the audience understands will be solved by the end of the episode. If the problem is solved too quickly, the episode won't last the 22 minutes it's designed to last, and we will lose interest. And so, the first attempt at reaching or solving the goal or solving the problem must fail. That's called the muddle. And that requires a new approach, a new strategy to be introduced into the story so that the problem can be solved at the end of 22 minutes. The fact is the protagonist either does not or cannot achieve what the protagonist has set out to do. If the issue isn't solved, we know for a fact it'll be solved next week. The fact is the protagonist frequently fails, and we actually want them to fail. The audience wants the protagonist to fail because... We do not want our favorite characters to change too much. We actually do not like change. We don't like transitions. We don't like moving on. We don't like new scenery. We actually like static lives. We, we, we want predictability. For instance, if Kramer got married and moved to the suburbs, we would be distraught. <laughs> we don't want him to change too much. If Leslie Nope left Pawnee too soon, it'd be heartbreaking. And so, to get us started in the idea that life is not a sitcom, because sitcoms have one problem, and we know at the end of 22 minutes it's going to be solved. To get us started in that. Where's the car? Well, I, I thought it was here. You don't know where we parked? Oh. <laughs> this is great. Look, I thought it was green 22. I remember orange. I thought it was orange. I didn't pay attention. Oh, this is just what I mean. Uh, I'm sure it's right around here. Yeah, yeah, it looks familiar. I remember the elevator. There's elevators all over. Everything looks the same. But like rats in some experiment. It's over there. I know where it is. It's black, right? Well, it's dark brown. So a parking lot, you write it down. How hot is that? There it is. Ah. No, no. Toyota. <laughs> I 
thought it was. Hey, did we come in over there? I, I thought we came in over there. How long can fish live in one of these plastic bags? I don't know, maybe two hours. You better find this car. Life is not a sitcom. I wish it were. The biggest problem we'd have is find our parking space, and we knew we'd find it within 22 minutes. The problem with life is that there's a lot more than one plot going on all the time. The problem with life is it is not a sitcom. Some of those plots are good, some of them are bad, and they run simultaneously. Two tracks run through our lives all the time. The problem with life is it is not a sitcom and we don't get commercial breaks. And so some try to take breaks through the bottle, through distractions, through hobbies, through relationships, through medications. The problem is life is not a sitcom. The scene of our lives don't often change very much. Most of our day looks very similar day in and day out. Life is not a sitcom where problems get solved in 22 minutes. And we all know that life is not like that. It's also interesting that most sitcoms don't have a to be continued. Why? Because problems don't last week after week after week in sitcoms. Life is not a sitcom. If life were like a sitcom, we could handle anything because we knew it just got to last 22 minutes. And if I knew it was only going to last 22 minutes, I could handle anything. The problem with that is what? If I can handle anything, I surely don't need God. See, we know that life is one big to be continued. But the problems are not solved after 22 minutes. And even when things go well, we think in the back of our mind, when the, when's the next shoe going to drop? When's the curtain going to fall? How long is this good time going to last? Because the bad one's coming right after it. When are things going to come crashing down? Because life is not a sitcom, and because problems don't end after 22 minutes, we need to know what God does in the midst of problems and difficulties. Because they're going to last longer than 22 minutes. Right? Right? Exodus 23, 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Because life is not a sitcom and problems last longer than 22 minutes, we need to know where is God and what does God do in the midst of problems and troubles. And God says, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. I'll bring you to the place that I have prepared. We're promised three things in Exodus 23. That God will guard us along the way. That he'll bring us to the place that's been prepared. I want us to learn something from Exodus 23. And if you have children, I want you to teach it to your kids. When the Bible uses the word here in Exodus 23 that I'm sending an angel ahead of you, this is not the Old Testament reference of a cherub or a seraph. These aren't the angels in heaven. If you go on and read that chapter, the way this angel is spoken about, worthy of worship, 
worthy to be obeyed. This angel is actually a pre-incarnate Old Testament reference of Christ. And so what the Bible says, God says, I'm sending Jesus ahead of you who will guard you along the way to protect you. And to... I've got something prepared. So in the midst of problems and troubles that are not solved after 22 minutes, in the midst of problems and difficulties, Jesus will protect me. The Bible says, I will guard you along the way. See, the fact is that God oftentimes guards us from things we don't need guarding from. We do not see the end from the beginning. God does. And so in the midst of an episode that lasts longer than 22 minutes, God, his benevolent sovereignty, guards us from things we don't even know we need guarding from. We've all been in tough and difficult spots and positions when at the time of it, we didn't see the value of it. At the time of it, we didn't see the point in it. At the time of it, we didn't see the good of it, right? And there are some of those times of difficulties and problems and troubles that at the moment we didn't see the value, the good, or the point of it on this side of eternity. Looking back on it, as difficult and as troubling as it may have been, looking back on it through eyes of faith and the, and, and, and the blessing of being in the present, Looking back on it, we saw how God protected us when we didn't know that's what he was doing. Any of you old school country fans, it's Garth Brooks, thank God for unanswered prayer. Jesus has a way of protecting us even from things we don't realize we need protection from especially in those episodes of life that last longer than 22 minutes. Where is God in the midst of problems and troubles? Well, Jesus is right there and he will position me. Not only will he protect me, he will position me. See, what I know about my God, he's, he, he is great at getting me to the place he wants me to be and he's even better at getting me there when he wants me there. And what I know about my God is he's the same for you. God is great at getting you at the place he wants you to be. And he's even greater at getting you there when he wants you there. And in those times of difficulties and in those times of troubles, when the episode lasts longer than 22 minutes, we have to realize that God is positioning us, but he's positioning us according to a higher priority than our preference. God's positioning of us especially through difficulties and troubles, is to get us to the place where he wants us at the time he wants us there. But that purpose is according to his priority, not our personal preference. Now, if we had our preference, life would be like a sitcom. And after 22 minutes, I would be where I'm supposed to be. Problem is, life is not a sitcom. And in those times of problems and troubles, when an episode lasts longer than 22 minutes, we have to remember that in those times, joy is optional, it's not promised. Peace is optional, it's not guaranteed. Here's what I mean. We can choose joy and we can choose peace or we can reject joy and we can reject peace. God says, I will protect you, I'm not done with you yet. 
and I will position you. I will get you to the place. You're not there yet, but I'll get you to the place you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And in this process, you will go through troubles and difficulties and you can choose in that moment to have joy and peace or you can choose to reject that. God will not force his joy on any of us. And he will not force peace in us. Those are optional that we choose. See, here's how God works. And I think this is how God prefers to work. God enjoys using the joys and successes in life to put us in a position to experience him and to have a witness to our huddle. That's what God enjoys. He enjoys blessing. I mean, the Bible says that, that God is the father of heaven and lights and, and, and gives good and perfect gifts to his kids. That's what the Bible says. Every good and perfect gift comes down for the Father of life. That gives to so God desires to use and to bless with the joys and successes of life to give us an experience of him. God, I realize by your blessing how good and benevolent you are to me. How, how, how merciful and gracious you are to me. I don't deserve all that you've given me. Thank you. And then to give us an opportunity to use in the midst of those joys and successes as a witness to our huddle. As a witness to say, you know what? I, all, all that God's doing, like I... It's not because I've done something right and deserved it. Like, God is so good. That's, that's God. I believe that's God's desire. But God will also use difficulties and problems. Why? For the exact same purpose. To position us to experience him and to give us an opportunity to witness to our huddle. God will use blessings and favor as an opportunity to experience him, the, 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 the giver of all good things, and to witness to our huddle about God's graciousness and grace and goodness. But it will also use problems and troubles. Why? For the exact same purpose. Because sometimes we experience God through the problems more than we do through the successes. And sometimes those are greater witnesses. See, we experience pain and we say, God, take it away. And God says, No. But I'm going to work through it. Why? To give you an experience of me and give you an opportunity to witness to your huddle. So God doesn't take it away. See, we experience weaknesses and we say, God, take it away and make me strong. And God says, no. I'm going to leave you there in that weakness so that you'll experience my strength, not your strength, and give you an experience of me otherwise you would never have and give you an opportunity to witness to your huddle. You Bible students remember this. The Bible that says, my grace is sufficient for your need. So I will glory in my weakness so that you may be glorified in your strength. It's the Bible that says that Paul in the palace under arrest, that the witness to his huddle expanded. Why? Not through his liberation and freedom, but through his incarceration. So Jesus does a great job of positioning us where he wants us, when he wants us there through problems and difficulties. Not only does he just protect us, not only does he position us, in the midst of problems and difficulties, Jesus will perfect us. I will bring you to the place I have prepared. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to finalize it. I'm going to perfect it. See, God's primary purpose for us is, is not our comfort. We, we, we know that, right? Don't ever fall victim to prosperity gospel. 
Don't ever fall prey to name it and claim it. Don't ever become the victim of blab it and grab it. It doesn't... God's primary purpose for us is not our comfort. God's primary purpose is His kingdom and kingdom agenda. We have to understand that. And let me just say this. Part of kingdom agenda is our development of Christ-likeness. Part of the kingdom's agenda is our development into Christ-likeness. Now here's the problem. While salvation may be immediate, Christ-likeness is not. The character of Christ does not happen overnight. It's a prepared process that happens through perseverance. The agenda of God is His kingdom and His kingdom's agenda. And part of that agenda is my and your Christ-likeness development. That only happens through prepared process of perseverance. The Bible says it over and over. We just may have missed it. God is faithful to complete what He has begun. He's going to get it done, but it's not going to happen right now. But it's a prepared process. But it takes perseverance. The Bible says, I press on towards the goal. I haven't attained it yet, but I press on for the upward call of Christ. The Bible says, for the joy set before Christ, he endured the cross. It was a process. God's preferred system of developing that process in us, his preferred system, is in spiritual disciplines. That's his preferred way of developing this Christ-likeness as this kingdom agenda in us. God would prefer that we grow through the practice of spiritual discipline, specifically serving, tithing, and witnessing. That's his preferred process. So I'm going to give you some things that will help you grow in Christ-likeness. And part of that is serving my kingdom. That's the biblical word ministry. And he says, I'm going to set your heart towards my kingdom. My kingdom. That's through tithing. That is an act of worship. He says, I'm going to set your heart to my agenda and keep you attached to me. I can accomplish what I've created by your witness. That's the biblical word of evangelism. Ministry, worship, and evangelism. That's the process of disciple. That's the process of growing into Christ-likeness. And that's God's preferred process. And so if any, of you, if any of you ever want to assess your own spiritual maturity, don't look at just what you're being taught. I mean, look at that. But don't look just at that. Look at what the Bible says. Just simply ask yourself. It's real simple. You want to assess your own spiritual Christ-likeness. Don't look at how nice you are. Anybody can be nice. Now, that might be part of the fruit of the Spirit that God develops in one, but that's not the end all. Look what the Bible says about spiritual maturity. Just ask yourself three simple questions. Am I serving? Am I tithing? When's the last time I led someone to Jesus? If you're not serving, not growing up in maturity of Christ-likeness. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Mark 10, 45, that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So follow his example. See how easy this is? If you're not tithing, just consider, you're not really growing up in maturity. Why? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be. So your heart isn't set there. Real simple. 
When's the last time you led someone? If you're a Christ follower, when's the last time you led someone to Christ or at least had a conversation about Christ? Go in all the world, make disciples. It's real simple. And this is God's preferred process of growing Christ's likeness in us. And let me just encourage you this. If you've got kids, you better teach us to your children. Now, while those are God's preferred way of our Christ-likeness, of growing in Christ-likeness, those are, many don't do it that way. Many people trying to follow Jesus neglect those things. And so they don't mature. Now, maturity has nothing to do with how long people have been in church. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the longer you've been in church, the less mature you are. It's like a Benjamin Button thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been in this church 50 years, and I still have not serving, tithing, or witnessing. It just... And so in those times, God said, look, I prefer you stay connected to me and you stay part of, and you start through these things that I've given you to, to keep your heart, to keep your agenda, my agenda, your, I prefer you to do it that way. But because you don't do those things, I'm going to accomplish my purpose of Christ's likeness in you specifically through difficulties. Why? Because here, ease and success oftentimes creates lethargy and neglect. And it's oftentimes the troubles that keep us connected and maturing. If we neglect God's preferred way, he'll get us to the place he wants us to be. But it will be through a different way than we prefer. And so as I was studying for this passage, this message and developing this series, I, I was doing my, my daily Bible time and I came a, part of it was this passage in Hosea and it really, really, really concerned me. And I thought, I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, I don't know if I can preach this. Um, and it's been on my heart all week long and even this morning before for, I'm in my office and I'm looking over this going, God, is this, like, am I reading, am I understanding this right? And I read it over and over, and I got out my study stuff, and I'm like, I don't. And then I just thought, you know, I think it's biblical, and I got to teach it. And so I want you to see how God used sometimes, not all the time. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not a blanket statement about all troubles and difficulties and problems we have. That's not it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a way. One of the ways God uses problems, troubles, and difficulties. You ready? You ready? You probably should have said no. <laughs> I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of Bernie. Now, this is God talking to his people. You had a need. You were in trouble. There was difficulty. I protected you. I positioned you and I perfected you. That's what he says. When I fed them, they were satisfied. That's what, this is exactly what God did. I protected them. They had a need. They, could, they, they were in that place of, of, of being parched. They were dried. They were ready to give up. They couldn't walk anymore. They had no solution to their problem. They had a trouble they couldn't overcome. And God says, I, position, I protected you. I positioned you. And I perfected you. I gave you. I satisfied your every need. 
And when they were satisfied, they became proud and they forgot me. Remember when I just said that ease and success leads itself to lethargy and neglect? And remember how some of you thought, no, I don't know if that's true. The Bible just proved me right. I stepped in, I intervened. And what they do? They neglected me. Ready? So I will be like a lion to them. This is God. I will be a leopard and I will lurk by the path like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will attack them and rip them open. Woo! Now, some of y'all ladies know what it's like to be a mama bear. And some of us know how scary you are. <laughs> and God has just said, I'll go mama bear on you. This is God. Talking about what he's going to do to his people. Watch this. Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. Can I just tell you, this is not God's preferred way to interact with his people. But God ain't above getting there. God's preferred way to say, look, keep your heart grabbed onto mine. Ministry, worship, evangelize. Serve, tithe, witness. Like this keeps your heart with me. But if you choose to neglect those systems I've put in place to keep you close to me, I will go about it a different way. God says, I cared for you in the land of burning heat. You were dried up. You were worn out. You were scared for your own survival. You could not go another day. You were in that place in the valley of the shadow of death and you didn't see a way out. And I stepped in. I cared for you. I met your need. I did what nobody else could do for you. And when you were satisfied and not in trouble, you got proud and arrogant. He says, you thought you were the originators of your own well-being. How dare you? And not only that, he says, not only did you think you were the originators of your own well-being, you've just flat out forgot me. You neglected He says, I made it real simple, man. Serve, tithe, witness, do these things that keep your heart connected to me and you forgot the need of it and you end up forgetting me. See, they got to the place where they didn't give their attention nor priority to God, to God or his kingdom and life all came, became about their own ease. And so God says, fine, if that's where you want to go, I don't want to do it this way. I don't want to do it this way. But because your problem hasn't has lasted longer than 22 minutes, and because you're forgetting me and neglecting me, fine, I will be like a lion to them. 
This is so interesting to me. In the New Testament, the Bible talks about a lion. It says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. Why? To scare you. But in the Old Testament, God becomes a lion that's stalking his own kids. Why? To scare them back to the safety of the Father. It seems either way, whether the devil's a lion or God is the lion, the point of it is to chase us back to him. So God says, fine, I'll be a mama bear who lost her cubs. You do not want to get between me and that. I will attack them and rip them open and tear them apart. Wow. Hey, life is not a sitcom. Sometimes God uses pain and trouble and difficulty to chase us back to himself, but that is not God's first desire. It's not God's preferred way of the process of developing Christ's likeness in us and Develop for perseverance. Perhaps you despise his great kindness. Perhaps you despise his tolerance. Perhaps you despise God's patience. Certainly you know that God is kind because he's trying to lead you to repent. God's first desire is not to go lion and mama bear on us. God's first desire is through kindness and tolerance and patience to woo us to himself. That's his first choice. Another translation says this, don't you realize how patient he's being with you? Don't you care? Either you don't realize it or you don't care. That's what the writer says. Can't you see that he's been waiting all this time without going lion on you, without going mama bear on you, to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness, that tolerance, that patience is meant to lead you to repentance. Don't you realize? That God's kindness, tolerance, and patience are meant to turn us to him. But if we refuse to realize how good, how kind, how tolerant, how patient, how merciful, how gracious God is towards us, we will walk away from him. And God loves us enough to scare us back to him. You with me so far? Now the good news, the thing I love about my God, is Lamentations 3 is still in the Bible that says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I love that part. Because Lord knows he's had to go lion and mama bear on me enough. But God wants our attention and relationship so much 
God wants our attention and relationship so much that if we continue to deny his mercy and his faithfulness, he will use problems and troubles and pains to get our attention and to keep us connected to him. This runs so counter to what we want. But sometimes problems and troubles are intended to keep us connected to God. So God doesn't bring immediate deliverance. That's what we want. We want to say, God, here's my need. Here's my problem. Here's my trouble. Now step in and take care of it. And we want God to show up right now. And there's a lot of good preaching around God showing up right now. When Daniel was in the lion's den, the lion's mouths were shut right now. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a fire, the flames set away right now. When they got to the river, the water split right now. There's a lot that happened right now. But there's a lot that didn't. And so sometimes he keeps us in those places because if he were to bring immediate deliverance, he would neglect and walk away. Oftentimes when God brings immediate deliverance and success, we tend to abandon our clutch on him. So you and I both know that when we're in pain and trouble, our tendency is to clutch on very tightly to God right now. Right? You know what it's like to hear that word that you hope you'd never hear? hear? You know what it's like to get the news you hope would never come? You know what it's like for something to start falling apart that you prayed never would? And in those times, you and I both, man, right back to God, right? God, you got all of me now. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm all yours now. My marriage, my kids, my finances, my, my future, baby, I'm all yours now. Because not many choose Christ's likeness through the spiritual disciplines that God has put in place for our development. God puts us through another course to develop Christ's likeness in us. Consider it pure joy. <laughs> what? Well, I would be joyful if you would do something. Like if I knew 22 minutes, that's all I got to wait. If I knew 22 minutes, I'm going to hold on for 22 minutes. I can handle this illness if it's 22 minutes. I will hold on for 22 minutes. I can handle my kids being dumb for 22 minutes. I can hopefully keep them from being too dumb in tw after 22 minutes. I'm going to hold on my marriage for 22 minutes. I'm going to stay in my job for 22 minutes. I'm not going to walk away. I only got 22 minutes more to hold on. I would be full of joy if I knew it was only 22 minutes. But the problem is life is not a sitcom. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. It's going to be a lot longer than 22 minutes. 
And when it's longer than 22 minutes, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials and troubles and problems of many different kinds and types and scenarios, because you know that that test of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Because if God were to step in right now, immediately is done, no perseverance. And we need perseverance. Why? Because perseverance finishes its works that we may be mature, complete, not lacking nothing. So hold on. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season you'll reap a good harvest. Galatians 6, 9. 6, 9. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, Romans 12, 11 says. Persevere. Perhaps when we experience trouble and difficulty, we need to stop expecting and desiring God's immediately, immediate sudden deliverance. Sometimes the greatest gift that God can give us because his greatest goal in us is his kingdom's agenda, Christ's likeness. Sometimes the greatest gift that God can give us is gradual deliverance that builds perseverance. So hold on. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Don't let go of God. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Don't walk out on your faith nor your obedience. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Continue to serve one another in love. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Continue to tithe. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Continue to share your faith with your huddle. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Continue to clutch onto God. It's going to be longer than 22 minutes. And that's okay because I know that my Jesus will protect me, will position me, and will perfect me, even though it's going to be longer than 22 minutes. Because life in the sick. Now, God knows that there are ways we can send things on ahead of us to eternity. The Bible says that the treasures and resources of earth that are invested in kingdom things will be rewarded in eternity. We can send stuff ahead. But God knows the only thing we take with us into eternity is our Christ-like character. And so he wants us to develop that Christ-like character on earth. Life is not a sitcom. If problems are solved in 22 minutes, we would never develop Christ-like character. So let perseverance and troubles finish at work. Because God is making a work of art and a masterpiece out of you. He's not making a sitcom. You are not light and fluffy and of no coincidence. You are a masterpiece. That God is working his character in you. Don't be a sitcom. The world is full of sitcoms. You live next to them. You work next to them. You got relationship with sitcoms. 
light, transitory, meaningless. Don't be a sitcom. There are far too few masterpieces. Let God do His work. Persevere, persevere, persevere. And you tell God in the midst of the problems and the troubles, you tell God, I'm not letting go and I'm not walking away. God, if you and I are separated, it's because you're going to walk away from me. I'm not walking away from you. And I know that you will never walk away from me. You make it a commitment. God, I will wait by your side. Until you make my graveyard a garden. And it's okay that it's going to take longer than 22 minutes. Because I know you'll protect me. I know you'll position me. And I know that in the end you'll perfect me. Life is not a sitcom. And I'm so thankful that it's not. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that all your work is done to reveal your kingdom. And that part of that kingdom agenda is is my development into the living example of your son. I thank you that what you desire of us to be masterpieces, not sitcoms. I thank you that even though troubles and problems and afflictions last longer than 22 minutes, that you promised to protect us, to position us, and to perfect us. Help us not grow weary. Help us not give up. God, I pray for us. I pray for our church. I pray for your kids. That we would choose to hold on to you. That we choose to clutch on to you. That when things are good and successes and joys come, we'd not neglect you. Father, I pray that you would never have to reveal yourself as, as a lion and a mama cub to scare us back to you. But Father, if that's what it takes, you are God. I pray that you do that with great mercy and grace. Friends, I want to give you a chance to pray between you and Father. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. I just... Don't let my prayer be a substitute for yours. You know if there's been neglect of those things God has asked of you and you're following of Him. You can assess for yourself if the problems and troubles that you've got right now, those that are lasting longer than 22 minutes is God's way of turning you back to Him. Or I guess at the end of the day, it, the thing that matters is that you come back. And so I'm not going to direct you how to pray. You know. I will say this for some of you who have not given your life to Jesus yet. I think you might be tired of running away from a lion. 
when all He's trying to do is get you to run to Him. I'm not going to tell you what to pray other than simply, God, I want you in my life. I'm sorry for how I've run away. <laughs> Make me a masterpiece. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've chosen us to be yours. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Forgive us for our neglect. Forgive us for how we've taken advantage and considered lightly your mercy and your grace, your tolerance, your patience, and your kindness. Father, I ask in that you respond to us according to the full measure of your mercy and your grace. That even if it's your desire to work through or to use problems and troubles, that you do it with gentleness over us. That, 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 that even if you need to discipline and chastise us, Father, that you would do it with great tenderness and mercy and grace. That you'd be gentle and kind. And that we would be quick to come back. That we'd be quick to return, that we would not be negligent or lethargic in that. Father, I thank you that life is not a sitcom because it means that you don't end after 22 minutes. Thank you. Thank you that you're here week after week, month after year after year, that you are unending. Father, we praise you because you are good. We praise you because you are worthy. We praise you because you never leave us nor forsake us. You don't slumber or sleep. Thank you that even in your chastisement, there is mercy and grace and renewal and restoration. Thank you that we praise you because you've separated our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that there's renewal. Thank you, Father. You are worthy to be praised. Turn our hearts towards you. In your name I pray, amen.